Well, if that don't start your fire, your wood's wet. That's good stuff. Praise the Lord. Mm. The victory is mine because the battle is yours. What a lyric. Man, take that one to the bank. That's good, good stuff. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, praise team. The Lord doesn't need them, but it always helps me to find my notes. That's good. Uh, if you want to go ahead and find your scriptures this morning, you can do so by turning to John chapter number 1. And we'll be uh, reading from there this morning. John chapter 1. And we'll start about the 43rd verse, I believe it is. Today, we're going to look at the story, potential story at least, as the Chosen has told it, of a disciple that we know very, very little about. His name was Nathaniel. At least that's what John calls him in his gospel, Nathaniel. In the three other gospels, Nathaniel uh, is never mentioned. Bartholomew is. But Bartholomew is never mentioned in John. So many scholars have decided that Nathaniel and Bartholomew are the same guy. Nathaniel Bartholomew may have been his full name, his first name Nathaniel, his family name Tholomew. Remember, Bar means son of. Nathaniel, son of Tholomew. Or some have said that uh, could have been Ptolemy. It could have been one of the Egyptian royalty families. Why else would he be known by his last name alone to so many? Nathaniel Bartholomew. He's mentioned in other places in the Gospels, but at best he's mentioned as a name in a crowd, one of the disciples. He was actually there. He's mentioned by name at Pentecost, and we celebrate Pentecost today, the giving of the Holy Spirit which birthed the church, God living within us that God might live through us, right? Uh, amen. He was there at, at, at Pentecost, so we know he stuck around. He stuck around through all the difficult times, and, and yet he, he was also there with Peter and the others right after Jesus had been crucified. And, and Peter seems to be coming disillusioned with this way that he's following, and he says, well, I'm just going fishing. <laughs> I'm going back to fishing for fish. And six disciples don't let him do it alone. And one of those that were with him that day was Nathaniel or Bartholomew. He's mentioned only as one of the crowd of those 12 disciples, except for this one passage in the Gospel of John where he meets Jesus for the first time. And if you'll remember in the previous episode, as John the Apostle is interviewing the different disciples about their first encounter with Jesus, he interviews this disciple, Nathaniel, though we'd hardly even known him, and the way he describes this moment is with these words in the series. He says, he knew me before he knew me. He knew me before he knew me. Here, here's the scriptures 
John chapter 1, verse 43, that tell all of the story that we know for certain from the scriptures. The next day, Jesus purposed to go forth into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, of the city of Andrew, I'm sorry, of, yeah, Bethsaida, of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Could any good thing come out of Nazareth? In the Hebrew, there's a, are you kidding? There, not really, but, but that's, the, that's the tone. And Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael then coming to him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite, indeed, a true Israelite, in whom there is no guile. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? Uh, you shall see greater things than these. In the south, we say, you ain't seen nothing yet. You shall see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Wow, what an encounter. And it's a mysterious encounter for us. Even as it's told there, I, I, I want to know the background story, don't you? Why is it because Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree, that this guy's life turns on a dime and he becomes a sold-out follower to Jesus Christ, following him through the cross, through the resurrection, even to the day of Pentecost. What was it that so took hold of his heart in that moment? It seems almost amusing to Jesus, because I said I saw you on the, under the fig tree, do you believe? What was it about that that caused this wholehearted kind of response from this now-to-be disciple. There has to be some kind of inside conversation, some kind of backstory for which that phrase being spoken Nathaniel was the key that unlocked the convergence of his life. What was going on? That just hearing that, I saw you in the parking lot this morning. You were the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Does that make sense to you? I mean, I know it's a Bible story, so you expect a Bible response, don't you? But, but, but does that really make sense? Jesus pinpoints that very phrase as if we have any doubt of it. Because I said to you that, you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? What was going on? He goes on to say, surely you will see the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. An Israelite in which there is no guile, no deception, no trickery, no, th this guy was a straight shooter. He was what he was. 
He brought all that he was, and he didn't hold anything back. He, he, was, he was a straight shooter. Uh, I had another phrase for those kind of people. Uh, he, he, he was frank about everything that he had to say. He wanted it to be clear. He wanted it to be truthful. He cared about things being right and precise and in order. He was a guy that would tell you the truth, tell you the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, even if it got him in trouble. One of those kind of folks. Behold an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And Jesus says, if you follow me, if you start this journey now, you will see even greater things. Angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And that description is the very description that you'll find in Genesis of Jacob. Remember Jacob's ladder? The angels ascending and descending upon that place where he lay his head that night. And he wakes up the next morning and raises up a stone and said, listen to this. Surely God was in this place and I didn't know it. Now Jacob was anything but a truth teller. If you want to see an Israelite in whom there is guile and whom, whom there is always an agenda, who was always working for his better good, talk to the guy who talked his brother Esau out of his birthright. Talk to the guy who left town. And, and God was so trying to turn his ways that Laban, his father-in-law, tricked him and gave him the wrong girl as a wife. Do you remember that? You think he would have learned his lesson. But no, this guy is still, still a what's-in-it-for-me kind of fella. He comes to this place, lays down his head for the night, and this God that his father followed has all of a sudden revealed himself to him. And even then, he says, well, if this God that's revealed himself to me will take me on this journey and will bring me back whole and well-fed, then I'll believe in him. Always, always working the deal. This was Jacob. It would be politically correct for me to say what's on my mind right now. But, the, but, but he was that kind of guy. Shifty. Always turning the deal for his, you know, best advantage. Behold an Israelite in whom there's none of that. I wonder if Nathaniel sometimes thought, you know, God, I'm your straight up guy. I'm wholehearted after you. And I see you blessing people like, well, like Jacob. Total swindler. His very name means supplanter. He's the guy that is the rug that's going to be pulled from underneath your feet. And you blessed him. You pursued him. You made him a great nation. When am I going to get my shot? I'm truthfully your follower. I'm someone who wants to bring glory to your name. Is it you only bless people like that? What's the point? You ever had a prayer like that? I have. I have. Lord Jesus, really? The guy that tells all the lies around the office so everybody thinks best of him, even the boss, he's the one that's getting the promotion when I've been doing all the work? Oh, really? Really? She's the one that he's going to get after the kind of guy that he's been? Are you kidding me? Can anything good kind of come out of Nazareth? Right? This is the spirit of Nathaniel. And 
The Chosen tells a beautiful story of a possibility of the background that caught, brought him to that fateful moment under the fig tree. Now, this is a fig tree. And fig trees in Palestine in those days were known as places of kind of your prayer closet. Houses were small. They were chaotic usually. And, and you would go outside under a fig tree to have a moment of peace. And it, couldn't you see yourself having a, a moment of peace under that tree? The shaded, they were usually much wider than they were tall, big thick leaves, great shade, and the Palestinian sun in the morning out there. And look at those roots. Don't they just look like benches set in a circle around this tree? What about, you don't even have to sit on the ground. A devotional spot, a place of prayer. A place where Nathaniel may have habitually and maybe an appointed way, very recently, cried out to God. The Chosen depicts this Nathaniel with this kind of backstory that's purely conjecture, speculation, but it's the kind of story that many people tell about God encountering them in their lives. It's a story of redemption. They tell the story of a Nathaniel as an ambitious Jewish architect. Someone with promise. Someone who had studied long and hard to be a grand architect that even the Romans would trust to build some of their public buildings. He's living his dream. He always wanted to glorify God. He says in the series with colonnades that sing and parapets that pray and vaults that lifts the soul to God. He saw his talents as an architect, his talents as a visionary, as something that he wanted harnessed to bring God glory. But it crumbled. As they imagined the story, it all crumbled in a day. The Romans had trusted him to build one of their great buildings in one of their Roman cities in Caesarea Philippi. And, and there in that city, he was building that grand building, and he comes into the foreman, and he tells the foreman, you must get salt water in order for the cement to cure properly. If you don't use salt water, it is not going to cure, and you're going to endanger everybody who comes into this building. You must do it properly. Oh, Jew, would you just hush? The building's going up. But then the building crumbles. The building crumbles to the ground. Now, what's that foreman going to do? Is he going to take responsibility for what just happened? No, as a Roman working with other Romans, he turns on the Jew and I think blames Nathaniel for what has happened. And now this young, promising architect that was about to make his name in that city suddenly no longer has a name that's anything but mud. He's gone from the great anticipated one to one who's blamed one who is ruined, one whose reputation is completely destroyed. And from there, he turns to the only source that he's ever known. He goes out under a fig tree, and he pours his heart out to God. And the chosen depicts it in this particular scene.
Blessed are you. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. Here is Raya, the Lord is one God. The Lord is one. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. Do not hide your face from me. Do you see me? So incredibly human is that cry, is it not? When the marriage you trusted has come apart? When your dream job has turned into a nightmare and you've lost it? When the future that you had planned for your kids takes a turn into darkness? It's devastating. And sometimes I think it's even more devastating for those who have been trusting in God than for those who haven't. God, were you not on your watch? Following you, wasn't I guaranteed success in everything? Weren't you going to bless everything that I put my hand to? Lord, where are you in all this? How could this possibly be for my good or for anyone else's good for that matter? Romans 8.28 is great. But it doesn't explain this. In all things, God works together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Well, I thought that was me. And I thought you were you. But what do these circumstances tell us? Sometimes it's harder to believe in God again than it is to believe in God. I knew a friend who thought God had set him up for this great business venture. He and I prayed about it for months. 
I told him I saw no red lights, only green lights. I'd been asking God to give me a check in my spirit if it was not what he wanted to do. He had been doing the same thing, and together we decided God doesn't seem to be putting the kibosh on this. Maybe it's a green light. Maybe God's not, maybe you're not waiting on God. Maybe God's waiting on you. So he stepped out, and though it was a secular business, he even gave it a godly name. He kind of disguised it just with initials. A belief in the Lord. He called the business Abital. And three years later, his partners had uh, cut him out of the company with which he had poured in his life savings. And the struggle to rise from that ruin, I saw in him as a greater weight than to trust God to step out into that venture to start with. You know the reality of of that kind of ruin in your own life in some way? It all falls apart for Nathaniel. And when that happens to us, so many of us turn to the Lord in that moment But sometimes God's rebuilding plan takes a season, and for a season, we're in that place where we're having to somehow find the courage to rise from the rubble. His cry is a real one, don't you think? God, how did this happen? Am I off the blueprint for my life? Aren't you the architect of this? Is there no answer from heaven for this? He assumed God had been with him all along. Ruins like this around you make you wonder if that's really true. Is this how the story ends? Are you still at work in my life? Maybe you know someone. If, if that's not your story, you know someone for whom it is. In that ruin, they decided that maybe what they believed in really wasn't reliable. They've given up. Maybe you know someone who's been crushed by a great calamity in their own life, and there's no sign of recovery there. What do we do? You can be a good friend, but you make a lousy God. You can encourage, but you can't turn their lives. What do we do? Well, I think like those who brought the paralytic to Jesus, we bring them to him. He's the redeemer. He's the rebuilder. He's the sustainer. And thank God Nathaniel had a friend a friend who was a disciple, his name was Philip. And Philip sought him out. And I think Philip shows us what we're to do with with our friends that experience this kind of brokenness and devastation. Have you heard there's a crusade coming? And from what I know of Reuben's kunha, he walks in the anointing and the power of the Lord. 
you might bring somebody like that to church, but what if you brought that person in your life that you just thought of to that crusade? Praying and trusting that they would encounter God there to either save their soul or to restore it, which is sometimes a greater work. What if you could be like Philip here in this particular clip who went and found Nathaniel at his point of ruin? Nathaniel! Hey, Nathaniel, it's me, Philip! Nathaniel! I could be in prison. Still proud of you. I've lived through you at times. You know that? Through me? Yes. <laughs> I'm living through you, man. I mean it. What part? Going to classes endlessly. Dealing with bureaucrats day in and day out. I skip that part. I mean the part about building something with your own hands. I had a calling. I don't regret it, but while you were in the city being validated by top professionals, I was in the wilderness. It's a lot of yelling. I don't deny occasionally being jealous that you had actual physical evidence to show for your efforts. A pile of rubble. You don't know what your impact was or will be. No, I have a good idea what it'll be. A cold day in Gehenna before they hire another Jew. I thought I knew where God was putting me to. Yeah. So what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were out making enemies all over the place. I'm about to make a whole lot more enemies all over the place. John sent me to someone new. Oh, you sure know how to pick him. He's not just anyone. That's what you said about the baptizer. And I was right. But this is... more. Mm. This is who the baptizer has been preparing us for. Mm. Nathaniel. He's the one. That one. But the one who Moses foretold and the prophet said would come. The one. The one. Jesus of Nazareth. 
son of Joseph. Nazareth. <laughs> Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see. Oh, <laughs> little dump on a craggy hilltop. I'm serious. No paved roads, no public buildings. <laughs> they barely have a synagogue. You can't. You really can't. <laughs> hey, I'm just telling it like it is. Why can't I do that? Because you're mean. The families, illiterate day laborers and peasants, by the way, sleep under the same roof as their livestock. Listen to me. Honestly, Philip, saying the one is a Nazarene is practically heresy. Just come and see. What? You gonna be late for work? Wow. That's dark. <laughs> so dark. Your whole life, you've wanted to serve God. To meet the Son of God, the King of Israel. I promise you will not regret it. And if you do, I'll refund your misery. But I know you. You don't mess around. You will want to join him. He's like no rabbi who ever has been or will be. I've never seen you talk like this. I'm still hung up on the Nazareth of it all. <laughs> Come and see. Come and see. Sometimes we need God and nothing less will do. Sometimes our friends are in the same place. Philip said, Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Let's pursue an encounter with the God, the living God, together. If we can just get our friends like this with Jesus, he can do what we cannot do for them. And, and, and what he does in a moment in someone's life that's so beyond us is nevertheless always just a beginning of what he's about to build in that life. If they keep on walking with him. So what happens? He follows that invitation. Probably still skeptical, as an architect would be, of anything coming out of Nazareth. They hadn't built anything worth talking about there in 100 years, maybe ever. All right. But based on his trust and what he sees, apparently, in his friend, he goes. And you've heard the rest of the encounter in the scripture, but watch how it unfolds here. Come and see. Rabbi. Well, this is a good night. You know who stands beside you there? This is my friend, Nathaniel. Yes, the truth teller. 
I'm sorry? Man is often deceitful. And Israel began with Jacob, a bit of a deceiver, yes? Yes. But one of the great things about you is you are a true Israelite and whom there is no deceit. What did you say about me? What is this? How do you know me? I have known you long before Philip called you to come and see. Don't look at him, look at me. When you were in your lowest moment, and you were alone, I did not turn my face from you. I saw you under the fig tree. I knew it. Well, that didn't take long. <laughs> he doesn't mess around. Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? <laughs> you are going to see many greater things than that. Like Jacob, you are going to see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's me, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I got that. Good. I know you like to be clear. Rabbi! Sorry to interrupt, but John just arrived with a message from Syria. He came back? Yeah. He said people are already gathering to meet you. Many with afflictions to be healed. Your fame is spreading. The good kind. You should rest, Rabbi. We should leave early. Thank you, boys. So, you wanted to help build something that would cause prayer and songs, something to bring souls closer to God, yes? start tomorrow. Amen. Whew. Well, can you? When can you start? I think we can all start when we realize that our hands are not our making. Our lives are not our making. Our, our, it's not in our hands that that our lives can be in his hands. That we can trust him to fashion our futures. And how it must delight the heart of God, even after life has dealt us a disappointment, that we turn to him. But don't doubt this, when you turn to him, he's already had his eyes on you. I saw you, he said. When you were under the fig tree, when your life was broken, I saw you. 
And I know what it's in your heart to do with me and for me. I put that there. I know your design. I know the details of your life. I know every experience that you've had, and I am the master author, the master writer, and you can trust me to weave all of that with nothing being a loss, with nothing being wasted into the future that you can make with me. You wanted to build things out of your own hands, things that would last, things of stone. But follow me. And together we'll build things that are eternal. It's one thing to follow Jesus. Sometimes it's harder to follow him again. But I think the Lord's asking us, Are you ready to start? If you'll put your eyes on me and trust in me rather than in the circumstances, are you ready to start? There's cities that have been torn to rubble. And for those who decided not to rise from that rubble, they're just a mound, just a hill. But if you'll trust me, if you'll follow me, if you'll walk with me, I'm a greater builder. If you'll trust me and let me live within because you rise, so will the life around you. Can he start with you this morning? Right where you are? Don't look around. Don't look at the ruin around you. Look at him. He's the Lord God. And he knows you even before you know him. Today, will you choose to rise from the rubble? This morning as we sing this closing song, I want it to be more than just a song that ends the service. I want it to be your declaration. If this song in this moment doesn't mean that much to you, that's fine. Just remain in your seat. You can sing along. But if this morning you would say before God, God, I trust you to so live within me that I can rise again. I trust your resurrection power working in my life. Today, you say, Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing me. I'm ready to start right now. I'm ready to rise from the rubble. Then stand as we sing this song. And if you're one of those that are sitting right now, would you pray for those who stand? Would you reach out from where you are and just pray that God does what only God can do in that life? This morning, if that's your testimony, if that's your declaration, then rise. Rise from the rubble as we stand and sing.